Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we're chatting with people from different walks of life to hear their stories of how God has been faithful throughout. Not to brag, but today we have a Canadian Idol singing sensation. So go on a jog, make some cookies, because balance, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we're chatting with our good friend, Shane Weeb. Shane works at Youth Unlimited YFC in Stratford. He used to tour around singing with his wife. He is a genuinely funny guy and someone who has a whole lot of wisdom to share. We say this every episode, but we are pumped for today's conversation. So enjoy. Shane, welcome to the show. Woot. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's finally come yeah. um, to start things off. We have not done this with the guest yet. Ainsley and I have done this with each other, but we're going to start off with some rapid fire fast facts so that people can kind of get a gist of who you are. So just respond as fast as you can as rapid fire fast facts kind of alludes to, you okay. know? So where did you grow up? Abbotsford, BC. How do you take your coffee? With cream. What's your biggest pet peeve? Anything really sticky. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Um, know, like you've done a- this morning. I got to give you an example. Just this morning, some somebody had put like I don't know, like plum sauce or something in the fridge, and I went to grab hemp hearts because I'm a hippie, and <laughs> I like grazed my hand against this thing, and it was so sticky, and I I, I was like, yeah, that's right, that's my peeve. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you've done a lot of traveling. Where's the best, best place you've been? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, right now I'm thinking about Nova Scotia just cause I was looking at mm. like, like, you know, Cape Breton and, and then like, yeah, that, that section of the world is pretty, pretty unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many kids do you have? I have two. Joelle is 15 and Josiah is 13. Coolest thing you've ever done. Wow. Okay. Oh, um, We've done like traveling in, in weird and sort of adventurous ways sometimes while well, adventurous for me. Um, so we like we rented a motorhome one time and went across like a pretty good section of Europe doing like concerts and stuff. And it was pretty scary because it was like it's Europe and you're driving in a different continent and everyone. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the coolest things. It was a little scary, but it's cool. That's sweet. Ainsley, we should do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Broadcast <laughs> live. I'd be your driver. Yeah, work friends is going on the road. road. Work friends take the world. (laughs) That's right. It'd be such a good German name for that. I can't necessarily think of it, but like, you know. There's got to be one. (laughs) Um, Favorite season? Oh, um, oh, that's too hard. Summer. What? Summer? Okay. I'm surprised by my own answer. I like them all. I like them all, Jim. (laughs) Morning person or night person? Both. Depends on the day. Mm. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, <laughs> um, Superstitious by uh, Stevie Winter. <laughs> yeah. Nice. If you weren't working at Youth Unlimited YFC, what would you be doing? Um, artisan Cheesemaker. Wow. Oh, that's not the answer I was expecting, but I'm so happy okay. that was what happened. 
I mean, I'd probably still be singing and stuff like that too, but I'd need something that I could the singing cheese do with man. my hands. Singing mm-hmm. cheese man, yeah. Well, I mean, that <laughs> basically gives us everything that we'd ever need to know about you, but I'll, I'll ask you anyway. Just tell us about yourself. Anything that wasn't covered in those rapid-fire fastbacks that we oh. might like to know about you. That's nothing yet. That's all. That's all. Doesn't like sticky things and likes making cheese. That's all you need to know. <laughs> um... Yeah, what do you want to know about me? I, I, uh, whatever. Yeah, what this is, this is one of those things. I had things I wanted to say, and, and I don't have those notes in front of me right now, which is funny. Um, but I really do like, I like fresh air. I'm a fresh air guy. I find I'm a little, uh, less adventurous than I used to be. Um, so I don't necessarily like go like camping and backpacking and things like that anymore, but. I just like the fresh air. Like right now where I'm sitting, I can see out the front window and there's snow and trees and it's beautiful. And, um, and people like just people are what matter to me. So I'm realizing in this chapter of life, uh, particularly with work, um, I'm starting on the process of, of applying for like aero leadership training and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of, this is a self-awareness assessment time of life. And I'm realizing that wherever people are, then that's the satisfying part of, of what I'm up to um so yeah i don't know what else what else? i like long walks by the beach and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know okay what makes you tick like what's the one thing that consistently makes you angry okay i don't like dishonesty and i i've realized that's like really boiling it down but like mm. that could be in a million different phrases like if if you go into a grocery store and they're like, sorry, that's our last one. And we can't sell you the floor model and or whatever. And, and, and I'm just like thinking of this example and I'm like, that's not true. I know you can sell me the floor model. Like you're just taking an easy way out. So it's like a lack of integrity or dishonesty. So then I'll do like, I remember that happened at Canadian tire not so long ago, <laughs> this person refused to sell me the floor model. So I went and I bought a $7 wrench, no $7 screwdriver set. I mean, I didn't buy it. I just like took it and then like literally <laughs> screwed the thing off of the wall as soon as they left and then just walked to the front. There was a barcode on it. No, no. I took a picture of the price. <laughs> I guess this person had really been quite rude. I'm thinking because normally I wouldn't do something like this. I was like, okay, I understand. Thanks. And like walked away and then came back, removed this thing from the wall, walked to the front and, and bought it and, and walked out and it was fine. Like <laughs> I'm like, yes, you you were lying to me, Hilda. I literally can buy this. I can <laughs> buy this. I can and I will with yeah. your screwdriver. Yeah, and I had to pay oh. an extra seven dollars for the screwdriver set, <laughs> but like, like <laughs> I didn't I didn't remember that until just now. That's funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow, so that's an dishonesty. Ag- mm. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you okay. can. Wow, that's very creative. Oh, you just learned a oh. lot about me. That was actually quite yeah. a story. Yeah, I that's feel like good. you could like spend a whole podcast episode on I know. That. I know. <laughs> well <laughs> we won't, but we could. Okay. We can come okay. back for round two sometime and that's we'll right. discuss this. Yes. Case. Yeah, we'll yes. get Hilda on the phone and she can tell you <laughs> how she felt so undermined by this oh. precocious and, and bratty customer. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Well, I've already said it once. I'll say it again. When Ainsley and I were thinking about who we wanted to have on the show for season three, we thought of you because number one, we love you a lot. And number two, 
Oh, God has done a lot in your life through family, uh, through loss and some crazy experiences like being on Canadian Idol, which, by the way, in my research uh, for script writing and all those things, of course, um, it was a bizarre thing watching your auditions and whatnot, because it's a younger version of you. You're Mm -hmm. what, 21 or something like that? Yeah, I think I just turned 21. Yeah. Wow. And I was just it was just bizarre. I'm like, I know that guy. Anyways, there's a lot more to you than just the fact that you were on a singing show. So let's start from the beginning. What was growing up like for you? Yeah, man, I, I loved my growing up life. Like I was truly loved and nurtured by my parents. Um, they both loved Jesus. And so that was a part of of it for day one. I can look back now and, and having studied a bunch of different things on youth culture and Uh, I don't know if you've looked at the hemorrhaging faith study and things like this. Statistically speaking, I am the absolute candidate for staying engaged in the faith because of my upbringing. And my parents didn't know that, but they were, they made sure that I could go to camp. They made sure I could go on missions trips. Um, They made sacrifices for faith based realities in my life. And they read the Bible every day. And yeah, I was probably in a little bit of a religious way um, in terms of like that sort of traditional religious sort of thing. But it was really, really, how do I phrase this? They wanted to live what they were reading Mm. and they did their best to do so. Like we were, my earliest memories are just after we went bankrupt as a family. Um, My dad has his own business and there was like this crazy audit from the government and things went south and they lost everything. And so I was actually born in Calgary. So my earliest memories are right after we moved to Abbotsford and um, yeah, I moved to BC, but um, I remember them like talking about tithing, like that was never an option. They weren't going to take that off the table. They had like no money, but they were still going to tithe. And, and that changed the way we looked at money growing up. Like mm-hmm. it was just another way that God could communicate to us and provide for us and things. So, so faith was absolutely the biggest part of my upbringing. I fought really hard with my siblings. <laughs> like they, I have two older sisters and they're amazing. I love them like crazy. And I, I'm sorry. I was hard on them bratty little brother that I was but they were you know hard on me sometimes too but made us stronger you know Kelly Clarkson the prophet says right what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and now you're singing it in your mind and um yeah anyway so my upbringing was awesome I don't think my parents held me back from much like I was talking to my mom just this morning because she's visiting me right now talking to my mom just this morning and she was like um I don't think she realizes that she taught me I can do anything and I was a smart and driven kid that really tried a lot of cool things, like really was a go-getter. So, yeah. Great. If it was a one-word answer, I'd say my, my uh, growing up was awesome. Mm, it's a good word. It's a good word. So when you were a kid, what did you want to do? Like, was it always your dream growing up? Like, I'm going to be on Canadian Idol one day. Oh, yeah. Every morning I would pray okay i'm being sarcastic you can't like this is a podcast like (laughs) careful um wow i never no i i was actually quite cynical about those types of shows like super Mm. like get a haircut and get a real job like i wanted to be things like a lawyer and uh you know a a pilot and a a doctor and like things like that like i was pretty that would have been very culturally conditioned in me because my parents were like get a real job and if you want to be a musician you can do that on the side um which I still kind of carried with me, even though for the last 15 years, we've been doing music professionally. Um, 
but yeah, anyway, n- n- all that to say, um, yeah, those were like, I wanted to be practical things. Like I, I, being a musician was never really on that list. It ended up on that list when I ended up on national television for a year, but yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that experience. Tell us about Canadian Idol. Cause that's not something that like your average Joe experiences. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, it's, it's been so long now. So I was just reading about this the other day. Memory is actually super subjective. So I think that things are like, I think of it just, it's this way. This is how I feel. This is what it was like, but I could be remembering wrong, but I remember having a really hard time. Like it was very challenging for me. I was a church kid that grew up, you know, singing, uh, singing <laughs> like a rose trembled on the grass right you know like I'm up in church I've got my like multicolored, uh muff covered microphones in my hand you know like what you guys are I you can't see this right now if you're listening to the podcast but I'm looking at Jen and Ainsley and they have these disgusting neon like foam covers for their microphone like we are at a yellow carpeted church in the 1980s and they're sporting it like they mean it um, and it's bringing me right back. But that's how I grew up with those multicolored foams covering my old, you know, sure microphones standing, you know, looking down at my music and like not moving at all. And now all of a sudden I was supposed to perform in front of millions of people and captivate their attention through, you know, a, a glass lens through, through camera. Um, that's terrifying stuff. I thought that I had experienced stage fright um, until I was on Canadian Idol and then I experienced stage fright. Like, I just remember being petrified. I remember shaking. I remember, you know, maybe you could, you want to edit this. I remember having explosive diarrhea, uh, <laughs> things like that. Like I just remember oh, no. being so uh, physically, emotionally moved by this experience um, and, and having a lot of struggles with it. So there was a lot of challenge and I loved the filming stuff. Like I loved the commercials because then it felt like when it wasn't live, I knew that they could, they could paint me in a good light. And I had a lot of trust in the editors on the show. So we had so much fun on those different commercials and stuff. So there was a lot of fun too. We, we got to fly around on a private jet. Uh, sometimes we went to the rock and roll hall of fame and in Cleveland. And uh, we went to, uh, we hung out with Lionel Richie and, and, and like, yeah, it was just like, we got to do really cool stuff too. And there's lots of good stories that come out of it. But what, when I was voted off, I would just remember thank, like thinking to myself, thank God, I don't know how much longer I can take the, like just the actual stress levels, mm. the adrenaline rushes, like people don't realize, have you ever noticed how on those stupid reality TV shows, everyone's always crying? Like they're always crying. You're like, oh my gosh, this is so dramatic. Like play us all together. And everyone's like weeping about, I can't believe it. It's right? And like, oh my goodness. But that's what it's like because people underestimate the emotional trauma associated with being on TV for the first time in your life. Making a fool of yourself in front of millions of people is really, because everyone does it, right? Everyone makes mistakes and and all this kind of things so you end up yeah you end up in in a in a position where you're emotionally exhausted and your adrenals are just fried um and you cry and you, you this manifests in all kinds of uh, <laughs> ugly ugly things but um yeah i remember when i got home Ange and i um like we had one night together in our condo like one i had returned and uh she like I woke up the next morning so exhausted and I thought I dreamt the entire process like the whole thing like I was so impacted by sleeping in my own bed and returning back to a normal life for a second 
that I thought the last like four months of my life had been a dream and like this you can imagine it'd be fairly traumatizing like in that moment I just she needed to like talk me down from this experience but yeah so I very nuanced experience I look back on it now I think I would have done things differently like I have a confidence now that I didn't have when I was 21 um and I do a lot of things different differently in terms of music and, and how I pick songs and stuff but Whatever. I was a kid. I, I look like a baby on that show. You've seen those videos. Like it's hilarious. Baby Shane. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting watching some of the old clips because A, it's just like funny to be like, oh my yeah. goodness, I know that guy. But on the other hand, it's funny because as much as you you like look older now and stuff like that, like some of your your like your cadence and stuff like that is still yeah. the same in how you talk and yeah. you know, like the way that your laugh like just bubbles over. Like I just it is so funny to watch you in front of the judges because you're just like, I love I don't even know exactly, but they're like, I want you to do something more. Like they said something like that, and you're like, I can do that. I can <laughs> <laughs> I grant uh, my supervisor at work uh bugs me all the time because there's this one line where I think one of the judges says, you know, we're going to be asking you to do a lot of different size, uh, styles of music on this show. And then I say, I say this line and I deliver it just like this. I'm like, which I love. <laughs> and so Grant says this sometimes, like when I, like he'll, I'll make some comment and he'll be like, which I love. Oh my goodness. And... I've heard him say that. I didn't know yeah. that was Yeah, why. it's a reference to that ridiculous <laughs> audition. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah, and people amazing. don't realize those auditions are crazy. So they make it look like it's you and then the four judges in the room. But there's like 50 people in that room. And they're all off to the side. And they're like, I remember the day I had an audition that was like kids. Like some one of the producers had to bring their kids to work because something had happened or whatever with a babysitter. I don't know. So it's like kids running around and like stuff being dropped and people swearing at each other and like it's crazy. It's like a crazy space. And then there's all the stuff they edit out. Like Zach goes on this whole like riff about how um, like I'm, I'm way too churchy of a kid. Like it's all church songs, you know, standard Christian kid. And he like, he goes off and like, just, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's totally crazy. I, I should, there's like this 25 minute or 30 minute actual interview. Cause that's how long the, the interaction was that time. Um, I should, it's on VHS here somewhere. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, and, and then you can hear like all this ridiculous other stuff that they edit out. It's it's crazy how edited those shows are. Mm. Mm. They can write a really specific narrative if they want to. That's right. Yeah, and they they painted me as that wholesome kid. Like I remember, I don't know what your talk shows rated, but I remember <laughs> people coming up like like Jacob Hogard, Kaylin Porter. That's the the curly headed kid that won that year and me would be walking down the street in downtown Toronto and people would come up and, and like, how can I like proposition the boys that were to my right and to my left. Then they'd look at me and recognize me and go, Oh my gosh, you're Shane Weeb. My grandma loves you. <laughs> and I was like, I, I had, I finally got a good response to that. I said, that's good, sweetie, because your grandma's not the one, illegally downloading music from the internet because that was a thing then right grandma actually buys cds so you just tell her i love here let me sign something for her i have a question moving away from canadian idol although maybe this is part of it but what life experiences taught you the most about god okay um yeah that's that's big um marriage 
that, that is a big one. And you don't have to be married to learn those things. Like I wonder, cause I got married young. I'm not sure how I would have learned those things outside of marriage. I'm sure I would have um, just in terms of partnership and self-centeredness and, and these kinds of things that, that you end up. Um, yeah. The ultimate one, I have this memory that's coming to me pretty, I'm a, I can be a really intense guy and I'm really hard on myself. And so I remember I was doing something in the closet of our house and Angie and I had been married for a couple of years and I was really mad because it wasn't going quite right. And I was mad at myself and saying things like, Oh, you're so stupid. Like and out loud. Right. And um, you know, and I bump downstairs, right? Like ran on the stairs, grab some other tools, come back up. I'm all mad. And I remember Angela coming into the closet as I was working on, on this, uh, like it's like some closet organizer thing, right? You can, you can picture it. It's probably from Ikea. And, um, and she says something along the lines of like, you need to, you need to stop this, like whatever this is. And I said, well, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at me. And, and she's like, yeah, but you're mine. So it's like, you're mad at me. And I feel like you're mad at me. And I feel like, you know, you think this doesn't affect everybody, but everyone in this house is now experiencing negative emotions because of how you're acting right now. And, and it's kind of manipulative actually. And she said it very gently, but very like directly. And that was like an epiphany moment for me, like going, I can't do this. Like my anger toward myself hurts other people. Like, you're not like, I'm not an Island that can implode. Right. Like, so yeah, that was a huge life moment for me in terms of understanding how communication or lack thereof can be a real form of manipulation and hurt other people. Um, my dad passed away when I was 19 and that was, uh, you know, it was a very surprising and, and sudden event. So I learned a lot that, um, that experience, it, it, it helped to form my, my faith in a new way. Like if I didn't have that hope that I was going to see this guy again in whatever heaven looks like, I've come to believe, uh, different things than I did back then. Um, or more accurately, I've come to realize I don't have as many answers as I did, but I know that he's with Jesus whatever that looks like. And I know I will be too. Um, I have faith and I have hope that that's a reality. So that was, you know, that, that stuff becomes pretty real. It, it navigates away from the Sunday school felt cutouts on the, on the boards to being like, okay, if I don't have this, I am dead, right? Like I'm dead uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically. If I don't have this hope, I, I have nothing. And, um, and so that's actually a good place, I think, to reach in the end. It's a very productive place. So, yeah, I don't know. Those are a couple of things that come to mind. Yeah, that's good. What lesson did God teach you that you struggled the most to learn? Hum. <laughs> Lots of things come to mind. Um, but I, I still think the, the biggest piece is, like, it's so cheesy to say it, but the fact that I am a human being, not a human doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, man, that sounds cliche, but like, I have to write it regularly that my life's mission is to be in relationship with Christ. Like I I've simplified. It's just, it's like my life is B I C like be in Christ, remain in Christ, be in, like, you know what I mean? And, Cause there's no life apart from him. And I've come to truly believe that. Like I, that's not just like, doesn't matter if you're my atheist friend or you're my like, you know, super churchy speaking relative. Um, this is what I have come to actually know to be a reality. And now I'm just sort of trying to live it out and I'm doing a pretty crappy job of living that out. Like I want to do good stuff. Like 
I want to have this dynasty of all these great things that Shane Weave did. And, and, um, and at the end of the day, though, like the one thing, the one thing I can do that will actually bring positive fruit out of my life is just be with Jesus, right? Mm. That's hard. So I'm still learning that every day. Um, and it continues to be a challenge for sure. I know you actually shared your story not too long ago at one of our staff meetings. Um, and you talked about having a reason for faithless. I'm not quite sure if that's what you called it, but something along that line. Tell us about it. Right. Yeah, I love the old word. Have you ever heard the word Ebenezer? Mm-hmm. Like it's Yeah, I love that word. And, and I used to, there was a church in our town called Ebenezer Mennonite. And it was sort of like one of these staunchy Mennonite churches. So I just, I didn't know. I just thought like it meant old and scary. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can only go to that church if you're above the age of 99. Um, and only him, you know what I mean? Like, I, I hope no one's listening to this that went to Ebenezer Mennonite. Turns out it's a pretty cool church. I mean, their carpet was the color of your super sketchy microphone foams. <laughs> but that's okay. We won't hold that against them. Um, but that's where I first heard the word. And the word is like Ebenezer. That is the word means like you can't go further back than this. So it's like a, mm. a marking point. And a great analogy is when you're mountain climbing and you're like climbing up and you clip in, right? Like if you've got a good solid clip, you clip in, even if like six or seven feet higher than that, you fall, you'll only fall as far as that clip. And so I've got some Ebenezers in my life. And one of them I've just mentioned, my father passing away was an Ebenezer. Um, and to expand on that, my grade 12 year was intense. I, I went to a school dance for the first time in grade 12. I had never <laughs> gone to a dance before and it ended up sort of initiating this drive in me to, to, you know, like <laughs> to try everything, like to just to try things, like to just go do it. And at that dance, I met and hung out with the, the student government. We had a really big school. So there were 450 five graduates that year, grade 12 students just in our school. And I met the student government head and they were like, Hey, you should come and join student government. And I was also jacked up on like sandstorm that, um, right. Like this, this, this is the thing, right. And I was also jacked up on sandstorm that I was like, Hey, let's, let's do it. Like, let's, let's actually join the student government. So I did. And, and that was a new experience. So I just started, to, and then, and then uh, I wanted, I decided I wanted to be in a school play, which I'd always been like, no way, I don't want to be in a school play. And they did a musical that year called Hamlet Cha Cha Cha. Wow. And it was absolutely, <laughs> we had a huge theater program, right? And culinary program. So it was like a dinner theater that ran for like three weeks. And they built this massive, like 40 foot high set. Like it was, it was huge. It was absolutely huge. And so I was Hamlet in this thing. And, and the play's funny. You should look it up. It's absolutely hilarious. The script uh, Hamlet is this sort of pathetic Elizabethan character uh, mixed in with a 1920s like flapper girls and stuff. So the whole thing's set in the twenties, but Hamlet's sort of stuck in the, you know, in the 1400s and 1300s. And, and, and anyways, it's, it's hilarious. Great play. So what I'm trying to paint the picture of is I wanted to do everything in grade 12 and I did, I wanted to get all my scholarships. I wanted to like, like, you know, be valedictorian. I wanted to all of it. And I did it all. Like I literally, like I checked off every goal I had that year, but I was never home like ever. And my dad had had some health problems through my teen years and he was looking much better. Like things had been, uh, at least how I remember it, right. Memory can be subjective, but how I remember it, dad was doing much better. I know he had just had a medical procedure done that week. 
And, um, and it was like, he hugged me and cried that week and was like, man, I used, I used to just pray that I would feel better again like this. And like, I just feel so good, son. And we'd go for walks and stuff. But um, that last week, everything ended. So it was spring break the next week. Uh, the play was over. Um, you know, provincial scholarships had sort of taken, like everything was sort of on this like natural break. And suddenly I had seven days with my dad or six days with my dad to be exact. Um, before he had a stroke and was no more but I didn't know that so it was like dead man walking like he he had had this cardioversion uh, a clot had been released in his leg and literally over those six days he was making his way up to his brain and everything had ended so suddenly I was getting home at three o'clock in the afternoon from school instead of literally two o'clock in the morning right the school play had just finished and all this stuff and so we played crib and went for walks and talked about marriage and um, barbecued together and watched hockey together. Like it was, it was a magical, magical week of beginning to re like of, of coming back into, into understanding of just how great my dad and I were of friends. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if he was, if he was alive today, at least here on this earth, anyway, we'd probably have a podcast called, you know, like, like uh, not work friends. That's way too good of a name, but <laughs> Like something that wasn't quite as good of, of a name. But uh, anyways, um, like we just, yeah, we were good buds. And then that Thursday evening, he'd gone for, like I went for a run and uh, he went for a walk and kind of met up and had a great chat back in the kitchen. Like it's just awesome. And then he had a stroke and he was gone. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't even begin to express the understanding of grace from that week. I did not deserve that week. Like that was such a gift. My siblings didn't get that. They'd already moved out. I was 18. I just had my 18th. So even just the romantic nature of the fact that I just turned 18 and was like an adult now before my dad was taken, you know, like incredible, right? Like, so I look back on that and I'm like, how, like, there is no doubt in my mind anymore that that was the providence of a living God that loves me. I can't chalk that up as coincidence. I can't do it. There was way too many beautiful experiences and conversations that week to know that the Holy spirit of God was communicating with dad's spirit and he was investing in me and I was investing in him. And, and we had this last week together. So that's an Ebenezer of faith for me. Um, so that's on the list. I, I mean, I, I have a list of about like nine or 10 of them. Um, but uh, another one that I do like to mention is, is evolution, like studying evolution around, I think it was about 25, 26 when I started to go, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe my minimalistic view of creation. And at that time I truly believed in you know, those six 24 hour days that the God created the heavens and the earth. And, and, you know, it's all, it's all sorted out. And, and I've come to realize it actually doesn't matter if that was 24 hour periods or 24 million year periods. Um, between the, the evolutionary reality of, of like how much time it would have taken to make things that were so beautiful. So I started diving into the, the biology of it and, and following some of the divine design guys. And then like, like listening to some of the new atheist stuff and really like reading their, their perspective and going, okay, I get some of what they're saying, but the deeper I got, the more things just didn't line up. And um, it turns out that this garden has a gardener. You know, like we look at, we see things so meticulously organized. Like if I, I, I'm working on a computer right now. And if, if I came home one day and there was a computer in the middle of my table and I'd never seen one before, and I certainly never had one, my, 
my assumption would not be that it just took a lot of time for the molecular reality of this computer to come to pass. Like, look, a functioning computer with moving parts and fans that help keep it cool and all of these things. And how much simpler is a computer than a human body? And so it was like this over the course of about a year, I came to this place where I'm like, there is like, I can't go back. Like I've learned too much about the reality of the human body and about what we've chalked up to evolutionary biology um, and chance and governed chance. I know they say it's not chance. It's not fluke. It's, it's, it's all governed. And I'm like, yeah, but it always requires that one step ahead. There's always one further piece of perspective. How do you develop sight without knowing how good it is to see? And, um, and so for me, there was this beautiful reconciliation of biology and psychology and, and a lot of math um, that mm-hmm. kind of came to this place where I'm like, I can't go back. Mm. There is a God. And I knew there was all the time, but now I know, no, 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 there is. And when the smartest people in the world argue me and I look like an idiot because I'm just not gifted that way um, in terms of some of this apologetic stuff, I'm like, it's like me trying to, it's like someone trying to convince me that Jen and Ainsley don't exist. At some point in time, I'm going, you can think what you want. I've met them and they're beautiful and I love them. And that's how my relationship through studying evolution, that's how my relationship became uh, all that more nuanced and complex and beautiful and deep with, with my creator. Wow. I feel like I just need to like sit there in this for a minute. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. How good? So good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm like, I need to respond to this, but I just, I, I can't add to just that. It's just, it just needs its own. It just sits on its own place. It doesn't need any input from Ainsley. So I'll ask you this question instead. Okay. What do you know about God that you didn't before? Um, it's it's going to sound so stupid, but I've been thinking about the complexity of God lately. And I forget who I was talking to, but they said, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense that if we are so complex, like, oh my goodness, we're complex. Um, and I don't remember how much of this was on the podcast, but just before we actually went live, Ainsley and Jen and I were having this conversation just about self-awareness and how, like how complex this is, is we look at ourselves and we can have these gaping blind spots in our lives. And and then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, like I'm, and the example I gave was like, I'm bad at receiving feedback. Like, Oh my goodness. I, I love feedback. Like, what is it about me that would, yeah. Anyway. And so there's all these, um, yeah, there's all these great lessons that we learn as, as we begin to ascertain and grasp how complex everything is. And um, science helps us, right? As we go deeper into the, into the you know, nucleus and we, we understand so much more of what's happening in our, in our universe, um, but it's happening in us. Like we're complex. We like have, like within us, there's like this universe where God meets us. And then how much more complex is the creator of the created? Like if we're complex, how much more complex is God? So we read the scriptures and, um, and I love them, but sometimes we're just so like tempted to feel like we have to reconcile them. Like we have to be like, Oh no, the God, the Bible doesn't contradict itself ever. So we have to like make sure that we can properly and eloquently explain to our non-believing friends that like, this is, this is what it means here. And Oh no, it's not a contradiction you see. And, and eventually just let it be what it is and let the paradox stand 
and say, no, it does seem to contradict itself. Um, and it would make sense that because we're merely humans, we wouldn't be able to grasp the complexity of God. We can't even grasp our own complexity. So why would we be able to grasp the complexity of the one who created the created beings? So I wouldn't say I'm like, it's almost like unlearning more than learning, right? Mm. Uh, I'm unlearning what I thought I knew about God. And I realized that maybe I've been worshiping of my understanding of him instead of worshiping him. Mind blown. That's what that was. Mind blown. <laughs> I've thought about that. I've read actually um, my boss at the camp that I worked at over the years has given me a few books, but there's been one called um, My Imaginary Jesus. It is an interesting book. I've never read a book like this, like very creative, all these things, but essentially it's about the author is the main character and on his quest to find the real Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets like um, hipster Jesus in the cafe that he's in. He meets like all these different types of Jesus. Okay. Um, and yeah, all in his quest to find the real one. It's not always a fun process mm-hmm. <laughs> going through that and, and that self-awareness piece and realizing like, am I just worshiping the God that I want to worship or am I actually worshiping and serving true, the true God, mm-hmm. like the God who actually brings life and actually brings peace and actually brings transformation um, who speaks truth and is like Exodus 34, you know, when God's revealing his character to Moses, it's just like, mm-hmm. this is who I am. Is that the God who I'm following? Or mm-hmm. is it, yeah, because I've experienced certain things and I feel certain things about certain ways and all these things, like, is that morphing the Jesus that I follow? That's so good, Shane. Oh, oh man, I love that what you're saying. And I love that like, like books like this, and I'm unaware of that particular book, but I've, I've written it down. I made a note of it. This, this concept of inviting, I used to be so uncomfortable and maybe you experienced this too. There are certain things you're not allowed to ask certain questions. You're not allowed to navigate. And that's, it's like this in every religion. It's like this in atheism. Sometimes the most dogmatic individuals I ever meet up with are atheists. Um, because there's just certain, no, you cannot entertain the thought that there is a God like that's ridiculous. Cause there isn't one. Um, right. So there's dogma, dogma on all the sides there. But just hearing you share that, I'm so grateful for a chapter in self-discovery that allows us true God discovery. Like we're not going to offend God by beginning to navigate what is Jesus. Like let's spend the next 200 million years on that, please. Like what does it look, what does the paradox of full God being full man look like? Like, because literally just like if you walked into a coffee shop and hipster Jesus was making you a latte, this is what decide, this is what thousands of people personally experienced in Israel. Like who knows? Maybe just at a furniture store, or maybe like he had like a stone carving store or something like this, right? Like he was a like some a lot of Israelites believe he was a stone carver, not like a wooden carpenter, but an actual uh, mason. Um, so like, can you imagine? Like, here's my chess set that I built for you. Like, yeah, like they had this experience. So I love, like, when you're sharing this, I love that. Like, the concept of navigating what is it like for God to be man. Like, heaven's not going to be boring because we'll be able to talk to him about this. And, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we could spend millions of years just trying to wrap our minds around the paradox of 
what is Jesus? Like, what is the Christ? What does it mean that, that God became fully man and somehow stayed fully God? Like, ah, like that's the mind blown thing, you know? Yeah. I I'm just so thankful for like God's grace in it all. Like we're actually free to wrestle. Yes. Right. Like we don't actually have to have all the answers and it's okay to sit in that Mm -hmm. place of, yeah, want wander and doubt and you know, like he can actually handle it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we can invite him into that wrestling. Like the biblical narrative is wrestle with God. Like mm-hmm. oh my goodness, that is the biblical narrative. Don't run away. Wrestle with him. Like dig in, lean in. And uh I, I recently did a I recently did a fast. Like so in January, I've I've never done like a longer fast. I did a 10 day fast, like just water for 10 days. And, um, it sucked, uh, just so like, you don't think I'm like overly spiritual. Like I didn't ever get to that, like elevated state that people talk about where they're like, Oh, I don't even, I don't even walk anymore. I just kind of float from room to room. I never <laughs> desire food. Like I still wanted to like punch babies to take their bottles. Like, like, I, I know that sounds so mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in hyperbole. So, you know, that I'm not this spiritual person that just goes and fasts for, for like, I was hungry um but one of these things that was revealed to me was that there's there's this grace and freedom to wrestle and then there's also this grace and freedom to submit because in our Mm -hmm. culture submission and surrender is like like it it's very much um belittled like the concept of truly submitting to another uh entity's authority and and at one point in time (laughs) i had this sort of like vision um which was a really cool experience but it was like a vision of yeah, it would take forever to explain. It's very complicated, but um, the whole upshot of it was submit, like just submit. Like you do not need to be God of your life. You can mm. be God. And so just as there's freedom to wrestle and be like, what does it mean? There's also freedom to submit and be like, okay, God is God and I am not. And there's a great piece for a personality like mine in there too, that wants to fight and wants to engage. This is our second last question. Okay what's the best piece of advice you've been given? Oh yeah. Good one. I worked as a, as a music pastor in Abbotsford before we moved to Stratford, Ontario. And I had the privilege of working with a guy named Jim Penner. And I think to this day, this guy doesn't really realize just how much of an impact. It was such a formative chapter of my life. It was actually after the Canadian Idol experience. So as you can imagine, that experience was, was challenging and and brought all kinds of new new opportunities, in some cases, too many opportunities. Like it was sort of a bizarre, a bizarre time, but ended up in this fantastic position that really grounded me. It was interim. So I, I, it was great to be able to know that I wasn't there forever because within my highly affective personality, I can get bored with, with, um, with things. And um, so, yeah, I was there for a limited amount of time. And, and Jim used to come into my office it didn't matter what was going on. He just sort of opened the door and say, Hey, Shane, what are we going to do today? And I was supposed to respond today. We do the will of God. And that is like that sort of oversimplified perspective helped me because I was one of these guys. I remember tormenting over decisions. Fun little story on September 10th to the, okay. So little timeline, my dad dies on March 17th, 2001. Okay. Then spring break happens. Then we dive right into provincial exams. And again, this is valedictorian Keener Shane that does not want to miss a beat. 
So I wanted all the scholarships and everything. It did it all, like just like lunatic, kept going and won all the provincial scholarships, won an entrance exam to the University of Fraser Valley or entrance scholarship to the University of Fraser Valley. I had planned on going to work up in the oil rigs for exactly one year so that I could make enough money to fund my entire education for four years because I figured it out and I could do it with my buddy, Joe. Joe consequently also passed away that year. It was a crazy year, but um, then I, I decided to stay home and be with my mom and I would just go right into school and just go into debt like everybody else. And so I was doing this, uh, this degree, uh, business administration degree in conjunction with my commercial pilot's license. So I was gonna be a pilot. Um, anyway, so that was the timeline and I just kept going. So as soon as my last physics exam was done, I jumped right into uh, university and um, well, actually, sorry, more accurately, just like flight school because I needed to, I needed to get my license in one summer so I could go into the commercial program. It's crazy. And on September 10th, 2001, I, I uh, was like tormenting over this decision at night. So it was one of these guys that was like, oh, is it right or wrong? Like, should I quit because I'm exhausted and about to have a nervous breakdown because I haven't stopped since my dad died, like never took a beat, like just kept going um, or like not, right. Is it right? Or is it wrong? And, uh, so I was one of these guys that just tormented over decisions. Like I felt like I was going to screw up my whole life if I got this wrong. And now, uh, I did withdraw the next morning, by the way, um, when like, it was crazy. So September 10th, that night I decided that's it. I'm withdrawing from the program. I can't do it anymore. I'll just continue on with the school, but I'll pull out of the, the aviation part of it. And the industry changed the next day when, you know, September 11th happened. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, all that to say, um, I tormented over decisions. And I remember having this conversation with Jim a number of times. And he kept saying that. He's like, Shane, stop it. Let's do the will of God. And it's supposed to be a paradox because it's so simple and yet so complicated. Like, Lord, what do I do in this moment? And I, I think it, it nods to the fact that we're being very arrogant if we think somehow we can make like we can like twist up the whole world by like doing something wrong or like our, our lives will become useless if we make a bad decision or, you know what I mean? Like there's such an, an egoic reality there. So just shut up and do the will of God, Shane. Right. And, and when you're really doubting what that is, then go read Matthew five. Like don't overcomplicate this. Like go feed somebody that's hungry, invite somebody into your home. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so, wow. It took me too long to say that, but just do the will of God, Shane. Like, what are we going to do today? Today, we're going to do the will of God. Don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. You are in Christ. You're with him. And even when you make a stupid decision, he's going to redeem the snot out of it. He's going to like recalibrate. And if you actually want this thing you say you want, if you're really desiring to be in step with this five mile an hour God who like walks with us in every single step, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't borrow worries from tomorrow. Just do the will of God today, man. That's what we're going to do today. And tomorrow, what are we going to do, Shane? That's what he'd say. Come back like an hour. And what are we going to do tomorrow, Shane? <laughs> we're going to do the will of God, Jim. That's so mm. funny. I think that's so interesting, too, because we, I mean, lots of people often have that struggle of like, what does God want me to do? And like, what is the answer? Why you write it in the sky kind of idea. And it's funny because we think that if we pick wrong, something bad will happen. And my philosophy is that usually if you're looking at two options and you're thinking that, you know, oh, I, I don't want to pick the wrong option. Like, usually, you know, if one of them really is a bad option, like right. often when we make really bad decisions, we are aware that it's a bad yeah. decision. Right. Like no. the other day, like I was thinking like, 
like, should I go and like pray for this person or should I, you know, have some meth, right? Like, you know, like there's, you know what I, yeah. So like in this situation, it's pretty clear that one of those decisions is really, really bad. Mm. And if it's like, should I go pray for this person or go pray with that person? You're like, yeah, no wrong answer, pal. Like, but we do this and we do it with our, with our youth, especially, right? What are you going to be when you grow up? Are you going to be a veterinarian? Are you going to be a, you know, like a garbage dump worker? Like what, what is it going to be? And I don't know what is the right answer. <laughs> like, and really the answer is be whatever the heck you want to be because you walk with the living God. Mm-hmm. Like if you're picking through garbage or if you are like the leading mind on something in our country, it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. What matters is that you have a vivid and joyful life as you walk and step with God, right? And that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the piece. I think it even goes back, like you're talking about that I'm a human being, not a human doing. Like what we do, I mean, can be important, yeah. but we have so much freedom to just live in Christ and to live fully. And what the specifics of that, I think most times matter less to God. And I think I always think of high school students and I asked them what they were going to do. Like, oh, you're in grade 12. What are you doing next year? And I always <laughs> followed up with, I'm so sorry for asking that. I'm asking because I'm curious. But when I was 17 and being asked that, I just, I would, <laughs> this is not great, but I would lie. I would always make up different answers to people because it would get them to stop asking me when I didn't and know. That's and... another reason I love you, Ainsley. <laughs> <laughs> Dishonesty is Shane's favorite thing. So right. that's great. Yeah. No, it's that's my least favorite thing, but that's just funny. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Like I'm also like, I've got this like actor slash creative slash musician side of me that just loves it when someone can look you right in the eyes and like, I don't know, it's brilliant. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, it's so funny. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh my goodness. So to end off this, this podcast, we've been talking, we're, we're talking to a bunch of different people basically this season from like all different walks of life. So people like you that are working in ministry to younger couples, to older people and and just getting them to share different parts of their story. And this is the question that we've kind of been, I guess, looking at people's stories through the lens of is what can we learn from their stories? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question to you is this, what story are you hoping to write that will be told about you years down the road? Yeah, that's a good question. I... Have answered that. I would have answered that question many different ways over the years. Um, there certainly has been times, and there still is times even now that I want to have this like list of things that I've done. Um, coming back to that human being thing, right? Uh, if I'm not careful because of what my you know 18, 19, 20, 21 years were like, like the the things that I did between the ages of 18 and 21. Like, I feel like I got more tangible things done in those four years than I have in the next, like, 15 or whatever. And um, that's completely a lie. Like, those feelings, like, feelings sometimes can't be trusted. Like, I have two children that my wife and I have have raised and are, you know, these amazing human beings with, like, A, we kept them alive. Like, they're still alive. That's incredible. (laughs) Like, that's hard work. And, um and then the fact that they've got this developing character where they're hilarious and they call me on stuff. Like the other day, Joelle was like, dad, I feel like when you make really emphatic lists that sometimes it, how did she phrase it? It sounded so smart. She's like, it sort of like, like undermines your intelligence a little bit. I'm like, what? 
And I'm like, why would you say that? Like what? And like, she goes to expand. Like if I talk too emphatically and too enthusiastically about something, I lose my audience. And she was basically like giving me this, this she's 15. So I grounded her for three months and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we moved on from there, but all that to say, I don't, I, I'm growing to a place and it is growth. I believe I'm growing to a place where I want to be known less for some sort of dynasty or empire that I built. Um, and I want to be known as a man who had character, like, and you know, you can fill in the blank. I think the one that comes to mind for me is joy. That's part of why this year has been so hard for me because I have, I have often not felt joy, um, which isn't like me. I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty adventurous. I'm pretty like, well, we'll make the best of it. Like, let's try something new. This last year, like this COVID stuff has hit me hard. Um, and there have been many times where I feel embarrassed and want to just stay home and not go anywhere because I'm not joyful and, or I don't feel joyful. I think joy is something that runs deeper than how we feel, but I want to be known as a man who had character, like who sought after God, like truly, truly sought after God, didn't let his own small understandings get in the way of that and had joy. Thanks so much, Shane. This has been so fun. I don't think I've laughed this hard in a long time. <laughs> it's been just been good. We recorded an episode with Kevin and Joanna last week. But yeah, I get home and Ainsley, like I see I have a text from her. She's like, how full is your heart? I'm like, so full. Yeah. And again, this is, yeah, my heart is so full. So thank you so much for sharing um, pieces of your story and your wisdom for good conversation. Um, and it's a real gift being able to serve alongside you, even though in different um, towns and cities, but yeah. Um, yeah, being on mission with you is a real gift. So thank you. And oh, hopefully man. we can do this again sometime soon, maybe in person. That would be so Oh, I good. would love that. Yeah, I would absolutely yeah. love that. And uh, I want to thank you guys. Obviously, thanks for letting me be involved. You know, I'm big fans of yours. And um, I just am so grateful sometimes to the point of being overwhelmed when people use their words to bring life. And you guys are doing that and uh, love it. Just, yeah. I'm proud of you, kids. I'm proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations like this coming up that you will not want to miss. So make sure that you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. And you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to give it a review so we can see what you guys are enjoying about the podcast. Bye bye <laughs> Toodles. <laughs> ah.